And now another edition of Traveling with Paul Lasley and Elizabeth Harriman. Every edition of Traveling with Paul Lasley and Elizabeth Harriman airs weekdays on the American Forces Network in countries around the world. Each show is also available as a podcast at ontravel.com and at iTunes. Just use the keyword on travel. Here's Paul and Elizabeth. The land of Anne of Green Gables, incredible oysters and potatoes. Today, we're talking with Max Hartshorn right here on Traveling. And uh, Max, welcome back to Traveling. Always great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, Max Hartshorn doesn't necessarily have, you know, all those things, but Prince Edward Island does. And Max, so you have recently been to Prince Edward Island in Canada? It's, it's you know, I tell you, there's been a many years that I've been traveling up to northern, up to that part of Canada. I've been to Nova Scotia, I've been to New Brunswick, done some trips in Quebec, but I had never set foot on the garden in the Gulf, as they call Prince Edward Island, and it was magnificent. I must say, I would go back in a heartbeat. I'd recommend it to anybody who's looking for something just ocean, mountains, hiking, seafood, and history, all in one little 142-kilometer island. Well, yes, you mentioned history. Um, Canada was sort of born there, right? Exactly. The Confederation. Uh, all the states got together in the 1870s, I think, and it was on in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, is where they made, they signed the deal and became Canada. And it's interesting because it's a very historic-minded place. And on Saturdays in Charlottetown, the capital of, of um, Prince Edward Island, on Saturday morning, you walk downtown. There's a wonderful part of um, the city. It's called um, the Victoria Row. It's a pedestrian-only area where people walk and shop and listen to music and stuff. So you walk down there on a Saturday morning. All of a sudden, you see these women and men wearing 1870s get-ups, hoop skirts, top hats, jackets, and they're all going to re reenact the wonderful the, the Confederation States meetings. And they're all having it's great. They all have they stay in costume the whole time. They stay in character about whether or not they're going to have an agreement to the great Confederation debate going on in Charlottetown. So it's a wonderful fun to see these reenactors. Now, now, Max, let me interrupt you for a minute. Is this every Saturday? Every Saturday in Victoria Row during the summer. <laughs> during the summer. In, in the oh, in the summer. So they have yeah. the winter. They they have the winter to savor their victory in Confederation. Exactly, and they have these wonder. They dress up in hoop skirts and, and top hats and have a, a recreation. But you know the thing about Prince Edward Island, the only drawback is you really need to plan your trip during the summer, winter, summer and uh, fall because winter is pretty dreadful. It's pretty cold there. Well, isn't there a, uh, they used to just be uh, connected by ferry, but now isn't there a bridge? There is a bridge. The Confederation Bridge is a monumental bridge. It's actually a historic bridge, very, very long. And yes, the interesting thing about the bridge is that it's free to go over it to get to Prince Edward Island. But to leave Prince Edward Island, you must pay the toll of 47 Canadian dollars. Wow, that's interesting. Well, of course, Prince Edward Island is so beautiful, you might just want to stay there. I agree with I, you on that. I, I think they like people to stay there because I think they need people to be there. So they have a, we, did, we went to a funny comedy show and they made a lot of hay about this toll. They said villages would gather all the everybody would throw in 10 bucks and all gather their money so they could pay the 47 dollar toll so they could go down to costco or they can go down to yeah, ikea ah. in, uh, 
on the other islands. Yeah. That is a heck of a toll. I think I, I'm not familiar with tolls around the world, but that sounds like one of the leaders, I would think. Yeah, it's right up there, it's for uh, sure. You know, uh, Max, one of the things that we were actually only on Prince Edward Island a, a couple of times during cruises, so we were there for a day. What I found was it is scenically just gorgeous, and there aren't a lot of people, so it it provides this sort of rural escape. Is that accurate? Because you were there that for is, a yeah, while. That is really accurate. There's, I mean, there's really not very many people there. There's, is, you know, a hundred thousand people there, and it's a good-sized island. So you get long stretches of cliffs and fields, and you know what they grow in those fields? The famous potatoes of Prince Edward Island. Uh, they absolutely have that. They have a lock on that market. They have a 25% of all potatoes in Canada are produced on the little PEI. Wow. Well, and there's a famous song called, um, Bud, oh, no, actually. Bud the Spud. Yeah, Bud the Spud. Bud the Spud. <laughs> I, I think, I think it was. There's a singer, I think it was long gone. He was a Canadian folk singer uh, who sang a song called Bud the Spud, I think. Yeah, anyway, yeah, no. Stomp we'll get. We'll he was Stompin' Tom. Stompin' Tom. Stompin' Tom. That's... Yes, that's right. That's the name and you know, you know, there's actually, you guys, there's a place on Prince Edward Island called the Stompin' Tom Center, Ooh. which is an auditorium where you can go and you can watch them do plays and funny skits and stuff based on the life of Stompin' Tom. Oh, isn't that wonderful? That is so cool. <laughs> I guess, unless you knew Stompin' Tom. I, I, oh, it's way fun. <laughs> uh, he probably is nicer in myth than in reality, <laughs> don't you think? Some of these people grow up to be idolized, and when they were around, they weren't all that wonderful. <laughs> well, but you, but you touch on something else. They have this wonderful tradition of folk singing, and I guess it's from the Celtic influence, but the... Um, one of the excursions that I did, we did two separate excursions on Prince Edward Island, Paul and I did, and the one that I did took us to a place where we had a fabulous lobster lunch, um, and I know you're going to talk about the seafood, because seafood is amazing, um, but we had entertainment by a, a guy that, you know, played the guitar, and uh, I requested uh, the Bud the Spud, and he played it for me, but he also played a lot of other, you know, fishing chanties and a lot of traditional, uh, a lot of great traditional folk music up there, yeah? That's true. I mean, it, it's not as well known as um, the end of Nova Scotia, you know, what's the, um, where the, uh, well, that's the one that's the best known. I'm, I'm losing a blanking here. Halifax. Uh, well, the tip yeah. of Nova Scotia oh, has a... I have no idea. Majors, Max... You, as the editor of GoNomad.com, travel the world more than we do, who are, who are here in a recording studio in an unnamed destination near Southern California. Well, you know, where you are, that's quite a scenic destination. A lot of tourists go to your part of the world, for sure, in Southern true. California. Yeah, but we don't get to see them because we're indoors and there are no windows. You know, one of, one of the things, we should write folk music. Uh, you, you were there, of course, and you've covered this at gonomad.com and, and that's a remarkable website, but how many days did you spend on Prince Edward Island and sort of give us a, a rundown of what you did? Okay. Yeah. I was there for, for about a week. Um, I flew up there. I, the way I got there was I flew from, um, 
Massachusetts up to Montreal and then flew over to um, Prince Edward Island on a very small plane. But, um, yeah, you know, basically the way it laid out, we had some neat experiences. We really were able to, to see some things. The first thing, one of the first things we did was we were set out on our rent-a-car to meet some members of the Mi'kmaq tribe, the First Nation, which is the Mi'kmaqs. Yeah, and the Mi'kmaqs um, are famous for many things. Um, they have a small reservation on the island now. And um, you, we went there and we got a chance to build, make drums make traditional drums. There's a neat program. A lot of these folks are, you know, learning how to make a new economy. And tourism, of course, plays a big part of that. So a lot of the native folks are learning how to teach uh, non-Indians how to do things like make porcupine quill uh, jewelry and make uh, drums out of um, wood and deer hide. So we had a really fun time. We drove out to a, uh, <coughs> we drove to a part of, um, Prince Edward Island, which is basically the place, it's a Lennox Island where the native native tribes live. And we sat down for the morning and made these wonderful drums. It was a great time. And then we got a chance, to, we did so many different things. You know, we went to a potato museum. There's a museum for potatoes. And I got a chance to have lobster-filled potatoes, which were really good. Wow, that sounds and, delicious. And one of the places we stayed, which is really fun, is the, point, the West Point Lighthouse Inn. And we stayed right underneath the lighthouse. It was really fun. Was the foghorn going off? Uh, on no, the no not at all. Just a, just a nice little light at night, but no, no foghorn. <laughs> uh, it was great. And the, whole, the beach is right out front. Literally, mm. you stay at this place, the West Point Lighthouse Inn. Not an expensive place to stay, but you got the ocean, you know, 20 feet from your, mm. from your place. It's really fantastic. Did Seafood, of course, was every time we had mussels. Mm -hmm. I thought about PEI mussels. You know, here we are, I have them in the original PEI. We met a couple of guys who, who are opening a place, which is going to be an oyster tasting place on the on the west side of um, Nova Scotia, I mean, of uh, Prince Edward Island. They're going to do a, a place called the Valley Pearl Oysters. They're going to take wild oysters and sell them there. And the other thing to do there, which is really neat, is lobster. You can go out with a lobster boat. We yeah. went out with Speaking now, don't 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 get off obster, don't get off oysters yet, though. Well, that's Max. because Elizabeth knows that I set my own personal best. I had forty-eight oysters oh um, in Prince Edward Island. In, one in city. Prince Edward Island, I I went to visit a oysterman who uh, has, you know, lives right there on the Sound and had had, I don't know what you call them, farmed, I guess, gathered oysters in the morning, and he was opening them, and uh, most people who were on this tour just wanted to have their oysters, but I asked him things like, where did this oyster come from? And he said, ah, he says, now that's a deep water oyster. That's about three feet deeper than the other oysters that you just had. And then he started telling me, now this oyster is from right over there. And I got that this morning, too. And he would open the oyster and give it to me. So, you know, eventually, I think I calculated that I had 48 oysters. He kept saying, now try this oyster. This comes from over there. has a very distinctive taste. I could have sat there. And he's opening them in front of me. I've never had any experience like that. It was the most amazing experience. And they were, and they were delicious oysters. They yeah. were incredible oysters. And not only that, Max... I, f I actually stopped because I just didn't want to make a scene, uh, you know, because the pile of oysters at my place pile of shells of shells was growing. And I, I thought, 
This will embarrass me no end when people look at me and can't find me for the oyster shells, you know. <laughs> so I gave up and I thanked him profusely. And I, I must say they were the best oysters that I've ever had in my entire life. So how many oysters did you eat there, Max? Well, you can see there's in these photographs I sent you, there's a photo of a dozen oysters. So I think I probably had eight or nine of them. But these folks, these oysters were oh, deep. Oh, you're oysters, a fighter. There's well, I know I wasn't trying to go for any records there, but uh, the, there's two different types of oysters. There's the farmed oysters, which are farmed on the top of the water in these bags, and then these guys, Valley Pearl, actually just seeds the oysters on the floor of the of the harbor, and they get get them. So they're called wild oysters. So a lot of people think the wild oysters are better. Um, they are down there longer. They're older, so they're mm. a little bit. But, you know, oysters, if they're too big, they're not very good. You don't want a really, really big oyster. You want a slightly medium to smaller oyster. A bigger oyster is going to be really hard to eat. I had no idea. Uh, although, I must say, these were more moderate-sized oysters, but I never looked at them. He just kept handing them to me and saying, now this one comes from right over there. Uh, I, it, There really is... I have to say, in all honesty, there is a difference between oysters that grow in shallower water, oysters that grow in deep water. Now, all of his oysters are wild. He doesn't farm them. And oysters that come from certain parts of the area or whatever, there really is a discernible difference. Now, Well, the same thing with lobster. Yeah, you don't, if you eat a giant lobster, it won't be as good either. Yeah, now tell us about your lobster experience. Well, the lobster, you know, one of the things about PEI, they have so many different quirks and funny things. Like, for instance, they eat their lobsters cold. They don't like hot lobster. They, they will, this, when I went out on a lobster boat and they served us lobsters, they served us lobsters that were cold lobsters. They said that's the way, the, that's the PEI way. Um, so, you know, either way, it's really good either way. And I learned a lot about oysters and a lot about lobsters. And apparently the lobsters, lobster fishery, is one of the most sustainable fisheries in the world. Um, there's just so many um, restrictions and so many um, things that make it hard to go out and fish. You can, they're limiting the number of times you can go out. They have limits on the number of traps you can put out. And this really self-regulated industry. This guy was telling us that the captain, this guy um, who took us out on our lobster tour, was saying, you know, it's it's kind of like the, the people, that the fishermen themselves regulate the lobsters because they know how important it is to keep them. The other really interesting thing I was learned when I went out with the lobstermen was there's a very big business on Prince Edward Island, which is not for fishing for tuna, but it's deep sea catch and release bluefin tuna. Did you know you could do that? You can catch a tuna and let it go? No. No, but that's very sustainable, obviously. Exactly. But this is, I, you could go assume... out and catch it. It's this much is, more sustainable than they used to say, uh, you know, kind of every man for himself. And they would go out and catch one or two of these gigantic uh, tuna and sell it to the Japanese for like 20,000 bucks. But they realized they could charge so much money to tourists to take them out, hook a giant tuna and let it go. that it's way better than keeping the tuna. So the tuna's fishery is sustainable and it's it's growing. It's doing really well up there. It's two examples of very well managed resources. It was very nice to hear that. Absolutely. Well, we are chatting with Max Hartshorn. He is of GoNomad.com, and you are traveling on the American Forces Network and at OnTravel.com. I'm Elizabeth Harriman, here with Paul Lassley. So, Max, did you get to go to the home of um, the author of Anne of Green Gables? 
We did. We had a whole Anne of Green Gables experience. My friend who was traveling with me, Rachel, is quite fond of L.M. Montgomery, the author of, of Anne of Green Gables. She read all the books. She knew all about her. So, boy, if you like those books, and, you know, it's interesting because there's a Netflix television show that's just out now. It's oh. called Anne with an E, and it's based on Anne of Green Gables. So you can actually watch Anne of Green Gables' story on Netflix right now. It's a fascinating story of a woman who, uh, a young woman who was sent to Prince Edward Island, and the folks that were uh, expecting her were expecting a boy to help them work on the farm. And here they were stuck with a girl. And so they had to deal with that problem. But they got to love her and they got to know her. And L.M. Montgomery is a wonderful author, wrote a lot of books. And we went to her birthplace. We got a chance to go to the actual Anne of Green Gables farm where it was set, where they have lots of memorabilia. And then there's also this other gigantic visitor center, which is also focused on Anne of Green Gables. So it's quite a quite a popular theme out there for any of the young girls or women who have read or men who read Anne of Green Gables. It's a fascinating story, and it's a big part of the PEI experience. You know, I was amazed at the number of Asian visitors who come specifically to see that. Uh, evidently, Anne of Green Gables is popular all around the world. Well, it's Japan, specifically uh, Japanese people are really into Anne of Green Gables. And we got a chance to sit down with the gentleman whose family owns the farm, whose relatives in years past were the ones that lived with L.M. Montgomery, who mm -hmm. lived there. And he said that when he went to Japan in the 90s, he was the guest of the head of a department store with 38,000 employees. And they said this Anne of Green Gables thing was such a big thing in Japan. They had huge displays in these department stores. And, you know, he's hoping that there'll be another resurgence with this Netflix television show, because right now the memorabilia he's selling, the dolls and the different things that you sell, the little hat, the hats for the girls and stuff are really going like crazy. And so he's hoping for a renaissance uh, for Anne of Green Gables. And, you know, there's even a store, the Anne of Green Gables store in the center of downtown Charlottetown. So it's a big business out there. Of course there is. Well, um, oh, I have wanted to ask you, you mentioned that in this um uh, Native Canadian uh, or First Nations experience that you had up there that you made a drum. Did did you take your drum home with you? And, and do I you, did, do yeah. You they have it and everything? Yeah, it's like the size of a tambourine, but it's a real drum. And it was really a fun experience to take the deer hide and soak it in water and tie it off really tightly and then soak the whole thing and then it all tightens up. And it's quite a neat little drum. I still have it and it's a wonderful experience and a memory of the Micmacs. You know, the Micmacs had a tough time, you know, like all the many of the native tribes had a tough time a couple of you know, last decade. But they really learned they're really learning that that, uh, that Americans and, and Canadians love learning about their native crafts and want to know about their history. And so part of the experience is learning about their their gods, their deities, their their religion and their their eating habits and all the different things about the lives of the native, not just the, the crafts. But it's really a wonderful thing to be able to kind of immerse yourself in another culture that's so different from our culture right on that small island. And then, you know, there's other things, too, like there, as you said, the music is really big there. We went to a, a neat place called the Trailside over on, in, in right outside of Charlottetown. We saw a fantastic uh, Canadian singer um, singing with, with, with his partner up there. Just It's a musical tradition there. Everywhere you go, there's live music in Charlottetown. There's uh, the outdoor mall where it says Victoria Row. Every night and from 12 o'clock noon on, there's music. Just mm. playing, sponsored by the local bank. So, you know, great tourist venues. <clears throat> You know, one of the things I 
I hesitate to ask, Max, because I don't want to embarrass you, but how do the neighbors react to your drumming? Oh, I didn't have to drum that much. I just made the drum. Oh, you just, oh, you just admire it. I thought perhaps by now you were being voted out of the village. Well, I actually, I do play that. Last night, I actually played drums. I have a band that I play with, so I am a drummer, oh, really? actually, in real life. Wow. So I do play real drums. Well, have you cool. have you integrated your Micmac drum into your drum set there in I your band? They, uh, somebody asked me that, too. I don't know if it'll work out. It's more <laughs> like a tambourine. But, uh, you know, it's just a neat memory of this place. And, you know, um, and there's so many places, to different little places to go. There's the east end of Prince Edward Island, and there's the west end, and there's the bottom where Charlottetown is. Um, you know, I love fish and fishermen. And one of the things we saw was they were unloading these halibut. Mm. And I swear... The fish was as big as a man, you know, this is, mm. and they had dozens of them. Apparently, the fishing is really good up in Prince Edward Island. He's pulling these gigantic halibut out of the ocean, and it's quite a thing. There's neat little villages where they're just all fishing boats, and people are so friendly. Come up to them, just ask them about it. They'll just chat with you. You don't have to speak French like in many parts of Canada. You don't have to worry about the French thing. And that makes it a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Max, you're a treasure. <laughs> um, uh, anyway. You, you yes. mean the entire Francophone world is now going to send us email? Yeah, I'm uh, afraid so. <laughs> let's, Max, you don't know what you're we, in we for here. I French. love French, but I'm just not that good at it. And, and I, I, everything in this country, in Canada, is bilingual anyway. Yes, everything and, is bilingual. And there's even a, you know, we went to a place, we went to the Indian, uh, the First Nation place, and there was a stop sign in Micmac. Oh, that's so great. I, I could that's tell it was a stop cool. sign. That's very cool. Isn't that wonderful? Well, you know, Mac, what, uh, Mac, it, it, yeah, Mac, Max, see, Max. I've already, we're I've already, already assimilated yes, as a Micmac. We're, we're, we're already, uh, we're already befuddled. Um, so, if, but if somebody wants more information about visiting Prince Edward Island, uh, of course, they can go to gonomad.com and, and see your beautiful photos and all of that. But um, uh, is there a, a, what's the best website for them to go to? <laughs> Well, the best website, I think, would be Go Nomad. There's lots of articles about a lot of our oh, travels right. have been up there. And there's also, of course, you know, you can go to visit uh, Prince Edward Island and you can look at their tourism website. Um, I, I personally think that the, our coverage has been great on this because we just love the island so much. And we have some photo galleries and some details about Anne of Green Gables tours you can take. And I think you can find a lot of things about PEI on our site. And they'll probably invite you back uh, because of the tremendous coverage this winter so that you can experience uh, the change of seasons in Prince Edward Island. Exactly. Yeah, one guy told us a funny story about PEI, about the winter. This oysterman was telling us that uh, he said it snows so much that at one point during one of the storms, he opened his back door and the snow was covering the entire doorway. So they put holes in it and they put their beer in there. It was their snow refrigerator. Yeah. How enterprising. Well, uh, Prince Edward Island is full of surprises. And I remember the neatest yards I have ever seen. I, I didn't see one piece of trash the whole time we drove around Prince Edward Island. Well, and uh, full of surprises. And Max Hartshorn is full of surprises. And you can find the surprising Max Hartshorn at gonomad.com. Max, thank you so much for being with us again on Traveling. Thanks very much, folks. Always a pleasure to be with you, Paul. And uh, next time, who knows where we'll report from. <laughs> we'll look forward to it, Max. Thanks very much. Okay, goodbye. 
Join Paul and Elizabeth at any time since each episode of Traveling is available as a podcast on iTunes, keyword on travel, and at ontravel.com. You can join the global community on Twitter and Facebook at On Travel Media, and you can email at traveling at ontravel.com. Your suggestions for show topics and comments are always welcome. Join us next time on the American Forces Network and at ontravel.com. I'm Fred Sater.